This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end-times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. My special guest, Apostle Don Beasley, out of Dixon, Illinois. Turning Point City Church. Pastor Beasley, welcome back. Good morning. How are you today, Doctor? Doing well. You know, I've done a series of messages, and I'm going to just uh, read you the titles, right? Uh, We started off with Great Anointing. I covered the life of John Wesley. Then I went to the Keys to Great Anointing and Revival. I covered the life of Charles G. Finney. The next was the cost of great anointing, Maria Woodworth Edder. Then, great anointing, the power of testimonies, Carrie Judd Montgomery. Great anointing, the journey, Miracle Smith Wigglesworth. This week in our services, I'm covering great anointing, John G. Lake. All of these people had some similar things in common, Uh, Don, they all loved God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, their strength. And they loved their neighbor as themselves. Again, all of them cared about souls, tremendously cared about souls. They all cared about their fellow man. They were involved with giving even their assets when they were in business. Uh, They gave their assets to the poor, to the needy, to feed them, to clothe them. They all chased after the fullness of God. And uh, when tongues were known, they chased wherever it had to go and they fasted forever, however long they had to fast until they obtained that promise, that gift. Uh, so they would move with greater anointing, with more power, with more authority. Uh, they moved into, again, what we call uh, the divine nature. Uh, as, as we know, it's promised to us in, in Peter. In fact, Second uh, Peter 1, 2 through 4, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these 
you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And, and we know, we know, as you continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness, as you continue to uh, let your life change by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, as you submit yourself to the Word and the Spirit, we become more and more like Christ. And as we chase after God with all of our heart, we move into the promises of God, including the power gifts. But this is what we need, Don. We need another great awakening with men and women behind the pulpit that want nothing but God and to fulfill God's laws, his will, his morality. We need America, primarily, first we need to start with the church. The church needs a revival. They need to come back to their roots. Uh, Don? Amen, that, that's true. The one thing, I, when I study those, you know, up until the, like what we would, I think what we call classic Pentecostal area era. When you study those, when you, so you start, you go, you see the book of Acts comes into about 350 to 400 AD. And then the persecution, the heavy persecution, of the church, well, the, it started and then the 350 AD. There was kind of a truce made with constantly made Christianity, religion of Rome. But the one thing that they seemed to, uh, when that happened, the one thing that they seemed to forfeit was the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. That began to wane. Very, you know, slowly but surely was just kind of cut out. We don't need that because the Holy Spirit brings transformation. That's right. In our lives. And so then, then you move, then we move into, you know, a time where, you know, this became the dark ages or whatever where, I mean, just the, all the same resources on the planet or whatever, but I mean, man, there was just poverty and there were the filthy rich and then the indigent poor, you know, that's basically all you had going on. And uh, until, you know, the 1700s, you know, you begin to have these movements of revival happening pockets. And so they starts off, they all start off the same way. They start off with people beginning to pray and seek the face of God. And then there's a, a discovery of the word of God and the reality of the truth of the word of God. And then, and then there's a commitment to obey the word of God. And then there's this movement, but there really wasn't the power of the Holy spirit until the late, we see the return of the Holy spirit. And we call in Pentecost was in the late, uh, mid 1800s, but really the late 1800s and the early 1900s, really when you start really seeing it start to move Again, the thing that looked to me is very uh, evident in every one of those people is they weren't seeking the gifts of the Spirit. They were seeking the holiness of God. Well, that's it. They were seeking God. Right. They, wanted, they, they said that God said, my people will be holy. And so they entered prayer and they had long periods of repentance. I mean, where they would repent of everything. I mean, when you go back and you see Evan Roberts, you know, he wanted to have a revival. He drew a circle and asked God to start a circle inside the revival, inside the, start a revival inside the circle. If it doesn't affect anybody else, if, if, if I can only handle, if I can only take care of me, give me a revival. Yes. If I can't convince anybody else what they need to do, let me have one inside the circle. I, I basically his his whole thing was almost like one of the barren women of the Old Testament: "Give me children, lest I die. Give me a revival." Lest I die. Yes. 
And that was all of their attitudes. I want all of God. I want the fullness of God. And they chased after God. And, uh, you know, this is this is the reality. Uh, I've known so many people all over the world, but when they do nothing but seek after God and whether they even know uh, tongues, many of them are baptized wherever the, in their homes. I heard one being baptized uh, right in the latrine. Yeah, it's a, uh... You know, that, that's the thing. But where we are, I mean, and so I think today, though, we're back at a place where the church has become filled with things that are an enmity with God. Totally. And so, and I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about what we call charismatic churches or whatever. We, we have greed. We have, you just take the Ten Commandments and you, I'm reviewing this video about enemies in the church. And I just heard one of the largest churches in America, pastors stood in the pulpit. I had heard before he had said this, but I'd never heard it with my own ears. I couldn't even find it. But he stood and told his congregation that you are not you you are not required to uphold or keep any of the Ten Commandments. Wow. And I, I almost fell out of my chair. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Him and his father, two of the most famous preachers in the in the world. Uh, and it, it just absolutely left me speechless. Well, I'll tell you what, maybe maybe it's the same guy that never went to Bible school, didn't want to even be in ministry. It was father was dying, so he went behind a pulpit and just told some jokes. And uh, he doesn't deal with sin. But I'll tell you what, this is a sad, sad condition of the church today. We're in heresy, Don. We are backslidden. We are lukewarm. We're the church of Laodicea, and we don't even know it. We don't know and we don't care. That, that, that's the thing that probably bothers me the most is that even if you can, when you show people, you're like, oh, well. And, and I find, I kind of, it almost reminds me of what happened with Aiken. You know, and you, and you, that's severe. He goes and he takes these things that are, that God said are, are uh, sanctified of him or holy. And he, he took them. And when he took them, he said he saw them, he lusted for them, and he took them. Yes, yes. That's the very same thing Eve did when she took from the fruity tree. She saw it, she busted for knowledge, and she took it. That's right. That's right. And so what today if, if somebody would say to me, What do you what what would you if they said to me, Well all right, then what do you think we're guilty of? What are we taking from God? What have we touched that, that's you know, his sacred thing? And I'd say the first thing we've touched is his glory. Yes. Yes. We good. take credit for everything God does. Yes. And then the demons well, I want to make sure all the glory goes to God after we already, after we got our, I mean, when I look at men who have $350 million in the bank, they live in a compound, they have airports, their planes fly to their houses, they have three or four jets or whatever, these ministers of the gospel or whatever, um, you, you've, tu- you've touched what belongs to God. I believe you're right. And, Absolutely right. And then, and then, you know, and then the sad part is that the majority of people that are that are Christian today, they go on television and listen to them or on the internet or whatever and send them more money. Yeah, they want to be just like them. And then you know, they tell you know, they say, You send me a thousand dollars and God, I call them on the on the radio and I said, Since you already got hundred and fifty million, why don't you send me a thousand dollars? They hang the phone up. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, just, I try their trick on them. It doesn't work that way, you know. So, <laughs> so but here and I and I brought up I brought this up for a reason, this whole Aiken, because 
Joshua falls on his face and before the Ark of the Covenant, he's crying out to God. And we kind of give him a pass, you know, but he says what Israel said, man, why'd you bring us across? Man, we should have just been comfortable over on the other side of the river. You know, you brought us out here. He, he says, you know, you're going to, how going to uphold your great name, you know, this stuff like that. And finally, God tells him, stand up and ask him, what are you doing? And it's almost like when Joshua came to the commander of the army of the Lord before he asked him, are you with us or against us? And he said, no, the answer was no. And I, I believe it's the answer was no, because Joshua asked the wrong question. And the answer was no, because because he went on then to ask him, he should have asked him, what, do you, what, what are we supposed to do? And then he got an answer. But I, what's really interesting to me here is that when you look at the judgment that comes, he says, there's sin in your camp, and if you don't root it out, I will not be with you anymore. Now, that's the word that we would call Ichabod. Now, we don't like to talk about those words anymore in the New Testament here because we've we've so molested the word grace that everything's covered. You can do whatever you want to do, it's covered. And the reality is, is that it's not covered. And and here's where we are today. The word judgment, you know, you wrote the book on, on the science of judgment. God, there's a judgment coming to the world. That's right. And here's the problem. God was bringing judgment to Canaan, and he could not do it with people that had broken covenant. Yes. They had to be in lockstep with him, and that's why he was such a severe judgment comes to Achan and his family for doing what they did. Because God said, I can't bring this wrath of judgment to this, to Canaan. Because you are not in the right place with me, I can't use you to do it. You know, that's. What, I think this is one of the things that we we overlook when we look at Scripture. God will, and Peter comes in the in the New Testament and he says it's time for judgment again in the house of God. You brought up an extremely important and good point that uh, many many uh, big name quote clergymen or pastors or whatever you want to call them. They are in danger of severe judgment before revival comes to the nation. They are going to be judged. The Bible is so clear. If you eat the flock, if you fleece my flock, if you take my glory, if you twist my words, you are going to be severely judged. And I don't think a lot of these people even fear God anymore, Don. I'm in agreement. I really am. But you know, and some people say, "What isn't that awful negative and whatever?" It, it is on the beginning, you know, because Achan goes out and they stone him, they burn him, they probably pile rocks on top of him in this place called Acor, and that's what that the word Acor means, the, the Valley of Disaster. But you know what's really interesting in the Book of Hosea, when God tells Hosea to go take a harlot for a wife, illustrating this relationship between him and Israel. And he pays for everything, and he does all this stuff. In chapter 2, God, there's a phenomenal passage of Scripture where, and we don't connect the two, it's the Valley of Achor. And God says, in the Valley of Achor, in the Valley of Disaster, I'll open a doorway of hope. That's right. And that, through that place of disaster, that judgment brings a doorway of hope where God can return the authority. He can return the things that we need to be able to do what we to do what we need to be able to do, 
if we make ourselves right before him. But today, there's so many people that are just think that this is just going to come in this lackadaisical attitudes and hearts and stuff that we have. And I, I think it's just a foolish misnomer to to think that that's going to that God's going to overlook all of this. We and that's what we've done. We so bastardized the word grace in that kind of way. And we forget that in the book of Titus, it tells us that grace teaches us to say no to ungodly yeah. and to wicked. And it teaches us to patiently, to live our lives in full passion for God as we await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, and that's so, that's right, Don. That's right. You know, um, the Bible says that God loves judgment. God loves judgment because judgment protects the innocent. Right now, right. all grace is, is time given when the Spirit's in the body to judge ourself so God won't judge us. Judge ourself so we can have eternal life. Right. If we fail to judge ourselves, then God judges us. The Bible says that again, uh, mankind will continue to sin. Those that reject God, if they live a billion years, they will continue to sin more and more and more and more until there's no innocent left on the face of the earth because they'll have wiped them out. So God right. is stopping man's total rebellion and selfishness that won't come under the grace of God, won't come under the blood of God so that they can not only love God but love their fellow man. If they don't do that, they're going to attack the innocent, you and I, until there's no believers left on the face of the earth. That's why God loves judgment. He wants to protect the real church. Right, and he will he will bring judgment. He'll wait to I mean he one of the things I think that we fail to realize, and I, and I, I probably only really come to the understanding of this in the past maybe four or five years, is the time construct. Like people will say, why got why don't God just strike that person down or strike this person down? And um, the reality is there's a time construct. That's right. And God, God's not in time. Yeah. We, we are. And God has, tends to be generational. We've lost the whole concept of the generational God. It, now it's all the personal individual. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, you know. That we have that kind of a mindset, which doesn't fare well for the thing called the body of Christ, the family of God. It doesn't fare well for any of that because we can we can have this individual thing where I could be that have my individual relationship going on with God and my brother beside me. He's not in my, he's not my problem. And so we start talking like Cain was talking. Yeah. You know, I'm not my brother's keeper, but oh, yes, you are. The Bible's very clear. Yeah. That yeah. My brother is my responsibility. Yeah. Uh, if I have within my means to help him and I don't, it says, how can you even say the love of God? Well, yeah, that, that, that story or, or statement, me and God, God, just me and God. That doesn't exist in the Bible. Uh, you have, as in your own words, you have bastardized the Bible. You've taken it way out of context. God is not the God that you put on a puppet and he serves you. There's only one God. And if you serve that real God, not only do you love him, you love your neighbor. You have a concern right. for souls. You have a concern for their, their, their needs. You don't sit back, like you said, with your airports and your millions or billions of dollars in the bank, and, and you preach the gospel on all national and international stations, and you turn the body of Christ into the same selfish person that you are. Done? Right. Exactly. It's it. So... Where we find ourselves today is 
we have this we're, we're this i call it we're in the we're in a gap we're between god's dream for us and our reality god has this a massive dream that he dreams up it's not our dream his the the church is god's idea amen the the the, the, the what we call the uh kingdom of priests that's god's idea that's right that's what he he wanted to create that and so the this, this, you know, the brotherhood of believers and the ministry gifts to the body of Christ and all that, that's his idea. But we have a, there's a gap between his dream and then our reality. We're, we're crying out for revival, which is the dream. We want to be vibed. We want to be, you know, inspired, filled with the Holy Spirit, the life of God flowing through us. But just to, just to show you, I just want to, I want to read you a couple of Pew Research stuff stuff like that that's just amazing and barna barna said that only 17 percent of christians in, in america hold a truly biblical worldview okay yeah and pew, pew research said that 80 percent of american christians believe in god while only 37 believe the bible is the authoritative word of god yeah well 80 percent of american christians believe in god like the devil <laughs> Thirty-seven of them. Thirty-seven percent believe that God's word is authoritative. That's right. So those eighty percent believe in an afterlife. Yeah. Eighty-three percent believe in heaven. Yeah. But only sixty percent believe in hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so many of these Christians, like the devil, they they know there's a God, but they don't serve Him. They don't believe in the Word of God, and, and, and so the. They're under such deceivableness that they have fallen for the biggest lie on earth that you can be your own God and it's you and God. You can make your own God. But I, w- I want to yeah. touch on this for a minute. Uh, yeah. we-, we left it off last week. We said uh, we we're going to touch on after school Satan Club in Illinois District uh, elicits concern from parents. Uh, again, this is your your state uh, after school Satan Club. I mean, what is going on, Don? Well, you know, it's not, that's just, that, that's just one, but this, this stuff is going on everywhere, Dr. Hansen. Yes. These, these radical, when you get to know the really good teachers in school, there are real, there, there's still some really good teachers in school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they'll tell you what's going on. They can, tell, they can tell you that they don't teach CRT. And they can tell you that they don't do this. They can tell you that they're not recruiting kids and, 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 and that they're not coaching kids and to be move into these radical sexual identity lifestyles or whatever. But she said, if you have these teachers that are radicalized inside the schools, they're doing it anyway. Yes. Yes. Uh, and they're, they're very, they're craftily telling children what they tell kids is don't tell your parents about this. How all this stuff, this is, the, I think that, you know, when we think about what happened, there's a real group of Christians that have been praying and everything. When we think about what's happened, this stuff didn't get exposed. You know how this stuff got exposed? Because, they, they closed down the schools here, and all the kids had to, to learn remotely. And they sent letters out to parents telling them to, to not, to, to, to let their kids, to not sit and watch these materials whenever, just let their kids be in a room and be taught and whatever. But parents, you know, you tell a parent, they, so they started watching this stuff, and they were absolutely mortified at what these people were teaching their kids. Yes, yes. And that's what started all this stuff, this national thing about parenting. What are you teaching my children? Because they've been lying to us about what they're teaching their children for a long time. And, they, and they're nurturing in, the, in this stuff, and they're doing this stuff. It's, and then they're sending it back home to us. And 
So what we used to think was in, you know, liberal colleges is now all over our educational system and the unionized education. And I'm not, I'm not painting with a broad brush saying all teachers are bad. I, I, we need to be very careful about that because they're not. But I think that there's never been a more right time than now that parents are saying, I've had enough and people, people are running for office right now. And now, for the first time, it's really serious that they're going to break these. They're going to they're going to have schools where the money follows the children. Amen. You've been... In Illinois, we we pay we pay some of the high, like the third highest tax in the United States on our property. Yeah. And you know, they, it's unbelievable how much money they spend per child. I understand. And I understand. We have the same problem in Washington State. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, senior pastor, Don Beasley, Dixon, Illinois, Turning Point City Church. I'll tell you what, we're in trouble today. Uh, That's the reason why uh, Don and I know that we need another great awakening. We have formed and started Eagles Saving Nations. Eagles Saving Nations. We need another great awakening. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. Join us today as we push for a great awakening throughout the United States of America. It's the only thing that's going to save America from total destruction as they're trying to topple the republic. And I'll tell you what, persecution then, you'll never believe how severe it can get. Eagles Saving Nations, www.worldministries.org. May God richly bless each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.